Why are we paying so darn much for insurance? Hi, I'm Jim Park, and this is HGT Talks Trucking. It's our second episode of Season 5. This episode is sponsored by HDTX. Visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. Before we start, I want to say thanks for making our first season such a success. We've got 37 episodes behind us now, and we're geared up for even more this year. If you like what we've done so far, please spread the word on social media and give us a review and a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. And if there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover on the podcast, please email me at jpark at truckinginfo.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at HDTrucking. Our guests on this episode are Adam Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels, both of Reliance Partners, a full-line insurance brokerage based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Andrew is the founder and CEO, and Brian is the director of safety. Together, they're going to explain the state of the insurance industry and why motor carriers have to pay so much for insurance these days. But first, I need to clarify something. The word carrier comes up often in this conversation. When I use the word, I'm referring to motor carriers, fleets, and even owner-operators. When Brian or Andrew use the word, they're usually referring to insurance carriers or the underwriters, the companies that actually carry the risk. I just wanted to explain that so we'd all know where each other's coming from. We'll be back with Adam Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels right after this. Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is a unique networking event where fleet managers and suppliers connect and collaborate. HDTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Due to the ongoing pandemic, we can't yet commit to a date, so visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com to check for updates and to learn more about the event. Joining me on this episode of HDT Talks Trucking to discuss the current insurance crisis and hopefully share a few insights on how we can get through this are Reliance Partners founder and CEO Andrew Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels. Brian's the uh, Director of Safety at Reliance Partners. I welcome you both to HDT Talks Trucking. Happy to be here, Jim. Good to have you. Good, Jim. Thanks for having us. Okay, Brian, good of you to join us. So we're facing what some have called a crisis in insurance costs right now. Can we talk about how we got there and uh, what's responsible for some of the problems we're looking at now? Let's start with you, Andrew. Yeah, so obviously insurance is kind of a huge discussion point for trucking companies and has been for the last few years. Um, you know, and I think it's important to understand why we're continuing to see uh, year in and year out increases for a majority of truck lines. And, and there's a number of different factors. I think the first one everybody always goes to is nuclear verdicts, right? Because they're, they're headline grabbing and, and typically in insurance, you know, I think everyone needs to understand a nuclear verdict is really classified once it hits $10 million or more. Um, so it's, you know, but we have to look at the underlying factor that just claims in general are more expensive. Um, it's more expensive from a medical perspective. Even day-to-day cars are more expensive to replace. Uh, vehicles in general, tractors, just look at the cost that you're paying now versus 10 years ago. So I think number one is just claims and claims expense and, and return on the premiums that the insurance companies have gotten. Um, two, I think it's capacity. Not a lot of people talk about it as much, but 
as insurance brokers, Milan's partners, we specialize in transportation. That's it. Uh, 100% of our revenue is generated from the transportation and logistics industry. So this is what we do. And the number of markets available to quote certain risk in certain areas of the country is uh, drastically down. Um, you know, if we used to have 20 carriers, maybe we have 10. And when I mention carriers, I'm referencing insurance companies. So I think that also puts kind of a, is when you go out the shop, just a limitation on the number of quotes that you may or may not see. Uh, transparency. Insurance companies are constantly looking at your CSA scores. There's a lot of technology out there that does a good job of summarizing a risk to the insurance underwriters. And they dig through your CSA score. So everything you've done, every violation, where you're traveling, um, they're looking at it all. And that's as important or almost more important, honestly, versus just kind of looking at traditional ways of insurance and looking at loss history. They're looking at how you run your operation day to day. Um, and, you know, and I think the reinsurance market, sometimes depending on the size fleets, uh, insurance in general, natural disasters, everything, it's all really pulled together. So there's some different factors that even contribute to the fixed cost of insurance companies to operate. And, and just you add all these things together and then you put it into the industry that we're all in and trucking. Um, and the results, insurance companies feel like they just need to continue to get more premium year in and year out to try to be profitable. And the only way to do that is by passing off those costs. Unfortunately, to the insureds. Well, there was a, a time when I wouldn't say insurance was a bargain, but it's an awful lot cheaper than it is now. I should say less expensive. Um, but we've got, as you as you illustrated, uh, a number of, of factors. I think a lot of people tend to put a lot of emphasis on the nuclear verdicts, but uh, my sense is they're probably few and far between compared to the day-to-day uh, hits that we take. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the cost of a repair uh, on a typical car today. If it's a, you know, legitimate accident, uh, minor damage, uh, the definition of minor has certainly changed from a financial point of view. It can cost ten thousand bucks just to fix a bumper nowadays. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, I I think that's one thing that people have to realize. I mean, the nuclear verdicts, you know, as I mentioned, I mean, that's what catches you uh, reading the headline, you know, and. Um, it seems like the press likes good headlines or catchy headlines. And unfortunately, the commercial trucking industry has been, um, I don't want to say victimized, but, you know, it's brought up. If there's a major yeah. accident and someone asks for um, a huge lump sum payment or verdict, then that immediately hits headlines and everybody says, oh, and then they start thinking about insurance costs. But it's really a general day to day. And you know, that we see maybe accidents that used to be five or $10,000, as you mentioned, Jim, are now twenty, twenty-five thousand. 25,000, um, sometimes even more. And it's, it's those little things that add up, um, across the board. So I think we're just seeing all this come together. And then you take in kind of the amount of insurance companies that are targeting truck lines to insure them are fewer. And naturally you just have this increased price and premium that's, uh, affecting trucking companies all across the country, regardless if you're one truck or, you know, a thousand trucks. And then the verdicts, the nuclear verdicts, I would say, and I love Brian to chip in because he has a, a unique story from being a driver too on the insurance side is where we do see the nuclear verdicts having the most impact is on the excess umbrella market. And 
you know, that's really tightened um, from the amount of carriers quoting. So we have seen those greatly impact that market. So for a lot of the larger fleets that carry five, 10 million plus uh, towers or insurance towers um, for their umbrella, it's slowly coming down or the price is just so expensive. They're having to make decisions whether they carry 50 million, 20 million, 10 million, 100 million, it doesn't matter. Um, they're having a very difficult time putting it together at reasonable cost. You talked a bit about capacity, and I guess capacity in the insurance side is kind of like freight rates. When there's, when there's lots of capacity, the rates go down. When their capacity tightens up, uh, rates go up. So where are we in, in the insurance market with capacity now? There's several underwriting companies, I understand, have exited the business entirely, leaving only a handful uh, behind. So I guess those companies are now having to uh, basically charge what they can to get back all of the losses they've incurred in the past few years. You're correct. I mean, it's, um, you know, especially when you really look at, I, I love reading all the reports that ATRI comes out with, American Transportation Research Institute. And I mean, I think, too, to the general public, when they think of trucking companies, a lot of times they see a lot of these large publicly traded fleets. But when you really look at the number of carriers, you know, 97% of trucking companies are run less than 20 units. Um, so I think in that marketplace, the way they purchase insurance is much different than a fleet. So I think when you talk about that with the number of insurance companies, as that pool continues to shrink, and let's say it's a, a you own 10 trucks, you're probably going to buy what we call a guaranteed cost insurance policy, which means that you're not taking on any of the risk, right? So you're passing that on, you're paying your auto liability premiums, you're maybe taking a small deductible on your physical damage. Those companies are greatly impacted by what's occurring right now. So they're often seeing double-digit increases year in, year out, regardless of performance. And, and we got to find a way to, to prevent that from continuing to happen. Um, and then when you see some of the larger fleets, I would say, and, and this is kind of a world Brian comes from, so I'd love to get his opinion on it, but for the large fleets that are able to take on risk or larger deductibles or retentions or move to captives, I would actually say if the difference between purchasing insurance as a 10, 15, 20 unit or five unit operation versus someone that has 150, 200 trucks, I would say we're actually having more competition on those 150, 200 unit trucking operations because the way they're offsetting their insurance increases is by taking on more risk, which is financially difficult at times. But it's something they have the option of doing, and we're seeing more and more insurance companies want to jump in and quote uh, truck lines that are able to take on a certain amount of risk per accident or take on a larger deductible or retention. Would you agree, Brian? I would agree, and it, you know we talked about those claims that were the the ten thousand, the five and ten thousand dollar claims before, and and they've jumped up to twenty or thirty. You know, companies that are carrying a $50,000 retention or a $100,000 deductible or something like that, you know, those types of claims still do not pierce the insurance company's layers. So it's, it's a, it's a way for them to get some profitability back because those small accounts <clears throat> that are on that guaranteed cost program, you know, let's say they're paying $100,000 in insurance every year. That is a lot of money. The downside of that is, you have 
one rollover uh, with with one of your ten trucks, and especially if if you're have the ability to have newer equipment, that could be a hundred and fifty to a two hundred thousand dollar claim just to get the equipment back up and running. So at that point, it's upside down again, uh, and so those those increases will continue to happen. Um, but yeah, there is there is more more of a, a competitive um, outlook when it comes to companies wanting to take on more risk. Uh, and then that's a that's a big financial decision for the insurance company that that's a lot of that is based on what your financial health looks like as a as a trucking company. Okay, I want to get to a sort of a safety question here, a safety related question at least. So I'll direct this one to Brian. Um, mm-hmm. we're seeing accident rates go up according to FMCSA's large crash, uh, large truck and bus crash causation study. This is going back to 2018 now, but, uh, they say that crash rates are rising. So the insurance companies, I guess, are seeing that data too. Any thoughts on why the numbers are going up and, and to what extent that can be blamed for rising insurance costs? Well, I think we touched on it a little bit, um, as far as, the rising insurance costs, it, it has to do with not only what's happening, but how much each one is costing. Yep. Um, the, the smaller claims are becoming bigger, and then the nuclear verdicts are, are more common than they were. Uh, but I think that, that it's interesting that crash rates increasing. Um, I, like the, I like to think that the world's not a more aggressive place, but it's probably what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of aggressiveness out on the road and for whatever reason, I think that's part of the reason that, that, uh, the crash rates are increasing. Uh, plus there's just more trucks on the road. Yeah. Well, they, they break it down into a crashes per million miles or hundred million miles or whatever the, uh, factor is there. But I guess, uh, more exposure uh, leads to more accidents and, you know, freight's busy and more trucks running more miles, you're going to see more crashes. I was wondering how much of an impact the sort of uh, driver population is having when we have a lot of the uh, older senior experienced drivers leaving the industry, uh, a lot of younger inexperienced drivers coming in. So we've got a larger population probably of, of inexperienced people uh, making up the percentage of the driver population. Does that exposure with the younger, I say younger, uh, not necessarily, you know, chronologically younger, but newer, less experienced drivers, uh, is that having an impact, do you think, on, on crash rates overall? I think to a certain degree it does, uh, but I also will argue, and, and I do have some facts to back this up from a carrier that I worked for, and I ran a, I ran a training school for them, that the inexperienced drivers seem to have more of the bumps and bruises, those smaller claims that maybe not aren't so small anymore. But a real danger place for, I think, drivers to be in is about the two-year mark. And are we seeing more claims? Yes. Are we seeing more drastic claims out of the, the like you say, younger drivers, the, the, the less experienced drivers? I don't know if I, I totally agree with that, but I don't know if there's an actual study out there showing the rate per million miles 
on a an experienced driver versus one that has over two years of experience. Okay. That's interesting. I, I, I'm not aware of any studies, and I've looked long and hard, but I don't think um, there's anything in the uh, accident reporting procedure that really dictates that the police ask how long the driver's been driving for. Uh, so it would probably yeah, be a pretty hard metric to dig up. That's exactly right. Uh, I know some of the the companies, the larger companies that that have their their own finishing programs and stuff like that, they, they do keep track of that. We kept track of that. Uh, and the, the bad accidents, the claims over X number of dollars, $50,000, whatever it might, whatever metric they're using, um, has a tendency to lean more towards some experienced drivers. Cause there's a, there's a comfort factor. There is a, I don't want to say a cocky factor to it, uh, but there is a, there is a, maybe a, a, a complacency mm-hmm. at a certain point, yep. um, that, that has been seen. So basically that behooves fleets to stay on the coaching and training as much as they can to try and keep those accidents from happening. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the ongoing training, just keeping your drivers engaged and, and keeping them understanding, look, it only takes, it only takes a second. And that's probably the story that Andrew was referring to. Long story short, I won't, won't dredge up the whole thing, but at the two-year mark, and that's why I really emphasize that mark, uh, is, is a point where I had a severe accident way back in 1996. Okay. Uh, and drove for two million miles after that and never so much as scratched the paint on anything. But at that point, it, it was... I made I made some severe errors in my driving that day, and it, it put one on its side. Um, so the ongoing training, the ongoing reminders of following distance and you know safe driving habits is so imperative for drivers. Well, you had the big crash in '96, but you continued to drive. Um, from a fleet's point of view, when when a younger driver in younger, there I go again. Uh, a less experienced <laughs> driver has a, a crash. Maybe it's not a real big one, but um, is there a tendency you want to just fire that driver and dismiss them from the staff to sort of mitigate the risk? Or is that driver, as was the experience that you had, less likely to get into another accident for having had one? What, what's the sort of protocol and how do you respond to drivers who've had a crash? Do you retrain them, bring them back in, keep them in the fold or get rid of them? Well, when you, when we, and that brings it right back to insurance. And, you know, I didn't know it then, uh, but I understand it now, making the progressions through safety and training and now insurance that if you have somebody that has that big preventable accident and you, you can't keep them on because if he does have one later, it's going to be, it's going to get brought up yep. uh, in litigation. So, it's very, very difficult. It, it took me two years to get back in the fold. And, you know, the company I came back with was just a small mom and pop. And they threw me the keys and said, here, go to Chicago. And I was scared to death. <laughs> but it's, it's not the most uh, inviting thing to, to hear. But, <clears throat> yeah, you, they can't keep a driver on um, with, with an accident like that. Now, some of the smaller stuff, if it shows... If you have policies and procedures in place and you're following them, that's probably more important than actually having them. 
is that you follow them and you have a retraining or in a progressive discipline program, then, you know, you can work through those, but there also comes a time if, if a driver showing a history of this or that accidents and, and CSA violations and tickets and, and things like that, if they're showing that pattern, it makes it very, very difficult for a company to keep them on because the insurance carrier, the insurance uh, company, they don't like seeing that. That's a big red flag to them. Okay, so we've sort of drilled down into what's causing premium increases and why it's difficult to get insurance sometimes. Does this sort of thing affect all fleets equally or do some fleets wind up paying disproportionately higher premiums for their coverage? Brian, I mean, I can take this if you want or you can, but I think, um, see, I would say in the past it was almost where it would be kind of different different areas or categories. I think right now we're kind of just seeing, and one of it's due to what we discussed earlier, the amount of insurance companies wanting to write commercial auto, it's affecting really everyone. Um, I think what we are seeing, though, is that companies, it's as important as ever and for whether you're a single unit owner-operator, owns your truck, or your own authority, to large fleets to really pay attention to kind of your safety scores. And the reason why we continue to, to educate our customers, our prospects on this is, this is what the insurance companies are looking at in underwriters to gauge the, the interest in your risk. Um, we have some that you could operate five years with, you know, historically no losses. And they may not even quote your company because you are in alert status for hours of service. You know, now to me, that's not, you know, I'm not sure how many insurance companies will listen to this, but I don't mind saying it. Not the smartest decision sometimes on their behalf, I'd say that, you know, just because sometimes it can be one or two points driving you to alert status. And it's a great company that they would make a lot of money on, but it's just the world that we're in now. There's more transparency into the operations of the truck lines. Um, now, if you go out and you have two or three alerts, you're going to pay a substantially higher premium for the reason I just mm -hmm. stated. All of a sudden, you have limited the pool of insurance companies that want to write your risk from 10 to 5, or maybe 5 to 3, or maybe 3 to just 1 or 2. And that's when you start limiting the amount of insurance companies that will put numbers on the table to insure your company, your rates typically are increasing drastically. So do insurance brokers shop carriers around to insurance companies and say, I've got a client here who looks promising. Uh, maybe you should take a look at them. Um, insurance company says, no, they've got too much of this or not enough of that. What are those factors that uh, can determine whether or not they get insurance? Um, I, I think on the head, I think the one thing is when you're buying uh, an insurance product from someone or using a retail broker, they need to understand your industry. Um, one thing we can say is there's so many trucking companies out there and it's a relationship business, but it's more important than ever to make sure you're with someone who truly understands what insurance companies are looking for to have kind of the, the, uh, the network of insurance companies uh, out there to try to get you the best quote. And I mean, we see it every day. It's one reason why 
you know, we have Brian Runnels on our team or John Seidel or Mark Barler. We have safety, FMCSA, DOT experts. But if there is someone who has an alert and it's due to, you know, one or two violations that, you know, it's important to data queue any violations that you may find questionable because we have to sit there and build out a uh, kind of a, an application and historical perspective of your company and what you're doing moving forward as an insured uh, to prevent whatever may be having issues in the past. So I think that's part of your relationship with your insurance broker. I mean, we should be there fighting for you. And if a company says no at first, well, we try to tell them what's being done to improve the operation. So you don't want to miss out on quoting this risk. Um, it's like Brian said, he had the accident and then he had two plus mile, million miles safely driven. Sometimes it's, we're in a world of, of exposure in the trucking industry. There are going to be yep. claims. It doesn't mean that um, it should impact something like insurance because there is a loss um, or a single loss. Now, if there's a number of losses and the same thing reoccurring again, we have to address that because the insurance companies are going to see it. So I think it's really coming out and, and making sure that um, we fight every year and we send our customers and uh, prospects out to a number of markets that we feel will be the best fit. And if there's something that needs to be addressed, we understand what the insurance companies are looking for. And if there's something that's kind of makes them, and Brian can speak to this as he's worked on both sides and, and wrote a number of write-ups for truck lines all across the country trying to get them insurance, is we try to find the best place for them. If there's someone that's kind of on the fence about quoting your business, Jim, then we tell them why they want to and let them know what's going on. Now, it's still their decision whether they're going to give you a, an insurance quote or not, but it's our duty to go out there and address those situations and really help the consumer uh, improve the business and hopefully the insurance expense, not only just today, but thinking 12, 24, 36 months out. I think sometimes we hear this because the consumer's not being educated about what's going on within the insurance marketplace. And then like in 2019, especially, Jim, you're sitting there waiting for your renewal quote. You didn't send it out to any other insurance brokers. You get that quote two days before renewal. It goes 50% up and you're going, holy cow, I, I wasn't prepared to operate my truck lines at this cost. You know, what am I going to do? Because then you're playing catch up to try to operate profitably, and you saw a number of carriers say, hey, we have these insurance increases. We can't continue to be on the road. Um, as Brian mentioned, you have higher driver pay. You have more expensive equipment, all these factors. So I think that's the best way to do it is really be involved throughout the process. And, I mean, that happens three months out, 90 days before renewal. Um, you need to really start building together a, a nice uh, application and, and basically a resume that will be taken to the marketplace to make sure you're exploring all options for your quotes. Just a reminder, we're talking with uh, Andrew Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels, both of Reliance Partners. Brian's the director of safety and Andrew's the uh, founder and CEO of the company. We're going to take a short pause here. We'll be back in just a moment with more from Andrew and Brian. HDT Talks Trucking is brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a relationship-building event hosted by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. 
HDTX is loaded with topical discussions and learning opportunities with some of the most innovative people in the business. Managers of Class 7 and 8 fleets, apply now to be our guests at HDTX 2021 in Scottsdale, Arizona. To learn more and to apply, go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com. I'm Jim Park, and this is HDT Talks Trucking. We're back with Andrew Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels of Reliance Partners. Uh, Brian, I'm going to pitch this question to you, being the safety guy. Uh, there's all different sizes of fleets in this country, a few dozen trucks, a few hundred, or a few thousand. Uh, some are probably better managed than others. They have better resources to manage their operations from a safety perspective. Uh, but what do fleets need to do to get, to up their safety game? Well, you know, so, so much of this is focused on the cost of this and the cost of that. Um, one of the things that doesn't cost anything when it comes to safety of a fleet, no matter the size, is having management buy-in. If you've got management that's pushing safety, supporting the safety department, and, and having your company safety-driven instead of operationally driven, yeah, it's important to get the loads there. We, I, we all know that. I'm not going to discount any of the importance of that but it's got to be done safely and you got to have management that that's supporting that uh, that that's first and foremost and and i think that leads to having some sort of structure within your company whether it's policies and procedures whether it's technology you know th- there's a bunch of different ways to have that structure and the key to that structure is following through with whatever you put in place it's great to have policy saying we do this or we don't do that but if you don't follow it it, it really doesn't matter what's written um, the the other thing is is kind of the technology that's out there there's great technology you know there's there's companies that, that go out there within reliance partners customer base there's there's companies out there that they go out and they buy the top of the line of equipment uh, when it comes to whether it's disc brakes all the way around uh, to the cameras, to the, the collision mitigation, to all these things. But, you know, all of that stuff really doesn't mean anything if the drivers don't know what they have. So you got to train the drivers so they understand the equipment they're using, what its limitations are, what it's capable of. Sure, absolutely. If they know what it's for, you know, like the, the collision mitigation, I, I hear so many from from my past life as a driver and being safety and being in the driver training world when we're explaining what this stuff is, it's a nuisance. It's, oh, the, the darn truck slows me down and they just override it by using the gas pedal or something like that. They, they, they're not embracing the technology and what it can do for them. Uh, and so that that's something that, that's very important to do. And you know, when you start gathering all this data within a, within a company, no matter the fleet size, but when you start gathering all this data, what are you doing with it? Are you using it for training? Are you using it for a progressive discipline program? Are you using it to try to get better fuel economy? If you are, are you explaining that to the drivers, how you're trying to do that, what the impact is on your company? You know, so much of this is just communication and yeah, all the, the technology and everything that costs a good amount of money, but the communication and the follow through and the, 
the buy-in from the entire company, that, that doesn't cost anything. Well, you know, when you talk about those advanced safety systems like collision avoidance and, and uh, predictive cruise control, those sorts of things, how many fleets do you think are actually really engaging their drivers in the use of this technology? I think there's a there's a good amount of some of the larger fleets. And, and when I say larger fleets, I'm going to say above the 50 and 100, because once you start getting into those sizes, you're having a more robust safety department that they can have somebody monitoring that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's key. And once again, that goes to a cost, putting somebody on board that, that is going to be in charge of doing that. So the fleets go out and they make that investment. They buy the disc brakes, they buy the uh, camera systems, they buy the collision mitigation systems. You're talking, you know, a few grand per truck. Why don't the insurance companies offer discounts or rebates or some sort of incentives to buy that stuff? We are starting to see some carriers subsidize the cost for some of that. But the one, my biggest question I get, and and Brian, you coming from the the insurance company side before coming into the retail brokerage world, um, I'll even chip in next. But I think, you know, I always get asked from the ownership, do I get a discount? The answer is uh, on the premium. And that answer is no, unfortunately. but we are starting to see some companies offer to help cover for some instances, uh, especially when it comes to cameras. And then to go back to kind of what you said, the smaller truck lines or the truck lines that are, you know, less than, than 10 or 20. I do think we're seeing some of the telematics companies, um, but like a keep trucking who has huge market share there. They're starting to, to have a pretty good system as far as helping carriers take advantage of that technology obviously there's a cost right because you have the fuel the full suite of systems allowed there but like brian it's definitely more difficult when you're running five or ten trucks and a lot of our customers that do that they also have a cdl sometimes they drive you know you have multiple responsibilities at that organization versus someone that's 150 trucks and they have brian runnels running safety who's calling that driver that had a hard braking but i do think what you're seeing is some of these telematics companies really try to help um, uh, their customer base and realize like, hey, we need to be able to help them take advantage of this software if, if they have it. So, um, but that's what I'm seeing as far as the discounts and subsidies, Brian, let you go from there and what you've seen. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that, that we're starting to see is with those discounts that Andrew was referring to, the insurance companies are looking for a data share. Uh, they're looking for things that they can enhance their rating system on, whether it's high, a high risk area as far as speeds or accidents, or, you know, it kind of builds their, their rating system to where, okay, this venue is really, really bad for accidents. So, you know, it's going to rate different for a carrier that spends a lot of time down in this area. Okay. But they're, they're looking for that data um, in return for the discount. Seems like a fair trade-off. It is, but getting, it, obviously, some of the trucking companies are a little skeptical of it because they, you know, are, is this data going to be used in my renewal against me? Well, you know, 
in de- in defense of the insurance companies, they're underwriting risk for something that they're basically doing blind. Uh, if they've got data and and stuff they can refer back to, then they have a better idea of the risk they're taking on rather than just shaking hands with the owner saying, yeah, you look like a good guy, a good company, we'll give you insurance. So I can understand their desire to have that data. And Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're a company that's doing, uh, fighting the good fight, you know, trying to improve, trying to stay safe, it shouldn't be a really bad thing to share good data with your insurance company, provided you're doing or trying to do everything right. What's, what's the problem? That's a good question, Jim. I don't, some people just don't want to release their data. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, they want to keep everything that they're doing very tight to the vest. And that, that's just not an individual owner operator. That's not just a 10 unit account that, that goes to bigger accounts. They, they want to manage their own processes mm-hmm. and they don't want to have someone else tell them how to do it. Every now and then we hear a story, uh, usually in the news of some particularly egregious carrier that's had a big fatal accident. And, you know, when the investigation uh, develops, it's revealed that this carrier has a really poor safety record. If, if the debt is there and everybody knows that, why are those companies allowed to stay in business? Who's responsible for getting those bad actors off the road? It used to be DOT. And some years ago, everybody said with deregulation, it was going to be the insurance companies who are responsible for cleaning up the bad actors. Is that happening or has it happened or will it start to happen, do you think? Uh, You know, I haven't seen it happen yet. You know, I'd like to see it more, like you said, especially with the DOT. I remember when I first got in the on the insurance side of the industry in 2002, um, I remember thinking, wow, the DOT's in all my customers' office all the time, especially if someone had, you know, a major accident or their scores were kind of, you know, out of control at that time um, with the old safer system. Um, now, from an insurance company perspective, you'd like to say there's there's a cost to doing business. And I think some of these companies that are out there and you see some of what they call uh, RGs um, at times or some different carriers that quote risk, um, that maybe have poor safety records, poor losses, um, but they're charging, you know, some 20 plus thousand dollars a truck just for auto liability. And somehow companies are able to pay for that. Now, you know, there, there are certain risks to where maybe they can't get a quote, but, you know, from what I've seen is someone's finding, uh, some type of insurance solution regardless is that, right or wrong that's not for me to say and yeah. i think there's uh unfortunately in our world um and, and all of your listeners can agree to it there's large premiums and i think it's the same way where you see all sorts on both sides right i think there's some uh, agents that get out there and will write anything they can at any price they can and you know i think it's how do we stop it i don't know i mean i think it's it's definitely been brought up with the freight brokerage world and people utilizing freight brokers as that industry has continued to grow. We've obviously seen a few brokers get dragged in to lawsuits for loading possibly a carrier on a, on a route that may or may not meet their criteria to operate for that freight brokerage. You know, if you're supposed to be insured with an A-rated company, for example, and have two alerts or whatever it is, then all of a sudden you have someone that has four or five alerts on the road operating. 
And that's really what drives these nuclear verdicts, Jim. Well, looking at this from the other perspective, uh, we all hope insurance rates come down, uh, ease the, the financial burden on staying in business. But if the rates do come down, is that going to make it easier for the uh, shadier carriers to get back into the industry and sort of start driving those <laughs> crash rates and, and risk values back up again? Um, I would say the one, the one thing that I like about kind of where we're going in technology and transparency from a CSA, I know everyone's indifferent at times to it. it it's, you can go all the way back to kind of your FMCSA crash data. I mean, there was times where every accident, even when a truck lines wasn't at fault, right, was documented on FMCSA. Yeah. So, you know, that could uh, cause some of those higher numbers at times, not necessarily the full change it too much, but slightly down. But I think we can, when we send a, a, a trucking company out to market, and let's say it's a new carrier, so it's chameleon carriers, right? Uh, that was uh, a hot topic, especially 12, 24 months ago. Uh, these new companies that would shut down and open back up under a new authority. They can track that now. The insurance companies can see it. Um, they know where that, uh, they can track it down to the VIN number. So where that truck operated, what authority. The, um, so that has eliminated some of those problems, Jim. So if someone closed the doors because they were running illegal and they shouldn't have been on the road and they try to reopen, most of our carriers have gotten a little more strict, I guess you'd say, on uh, what they look, look at as a new venture. So anyone that's a new authority getting out. So they've tightened up on growth, uh, driver criteria and really doing their research down to the VIN numbers of the trucks, the drivers, the information, everything. Because if they see that you were operating under a company that just shut down 30 days ago and now all of a sudden a company pops up with a new name, a new authority, same address, same trucks, they can see that. Yeah. So it's kind of eliminating some of that exposure in the general marketplace. Okay. Well, uh, before we wrap things up here, let's a ask the big question here, and we'll, and we'll wrap up with this, and I'll give each a chance to uh, take a kick at the answer. What's it going to take to get rates down, and how long do you think it'll be till we see uh, insurance premiums uh, come down to what we could call reasonable or normal again? That's a... That's a that's a tough question, Brian. You want to go first? Or you want me to run with it? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you can throw me under the bus first on that one. The <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't see. I guess insurance rates coming down is a very relative term. Yeah. Uh, maybe we stop seeing the big increases and we and we stop seeing level off. But you know, I, I don't see that coming to fruition for another couple of years, probably in twenty twenty three, because you know with 2020 being as odd as it is and anything that was going to be litigated is more or less on hold for a large part. We're not going to know what 2020 looked like for two or three years. And, you know, there's, there's always a lag on claims anyway, because it takes a while for some to settle. So Boy, it, like like Andrew said, it, it's so that's a crystal ball question, and I think we're probably a good two years away from understanding what this year was and seeing a true leveling off of rates. Now we we may see more insurance premium or cost drop in reports that we see. 
But once again, I think that comes back to more and more companies are going to start taking on more and more risk. So okay. is, it, is it actually coming down per se, premium-wise, but total cost of operation and total cost of insurance? I, I, I don't see that coming down for another couple of years okay. or leveling off. Andrew, what's your uh, final thought on that? Uh, you know, I, I agree with Brian on it. Um, <laughs> that was you know, easy. Yeah, it, it is easy. That's why I wanted him to go first. I'd let him, uh, you know, I, I do think you'll see, um, you know, the results of 2020 are going to be two, three years down the road. Um, I think 2020 right now is trending in the right direction, but it's not just one year. And I think what you'll see is hopefully um, some leveling off. And I think the the trucking companies understanding the marketplace. And I think that's what caused a lot of this is it was just such a significant change in pricing that, that hit everyone at renewal, made headlines. So all of a sudden it became a topic and everyone started discussing. It's all word of mouth, right? So I think one of these things is how to re combat the increases, how to remake them uh, as minimal as possible. And, you know, I think that's where we move. And then hopefully in a couple of years, it will through a number of different factors and technology and transparency that we can really have a leveling off of uh, some of these increases out there. We've been talking with Andrew Ladeboucher and Brian Runnels. Both are with Alliance uh, Partners. Brian's the Director of Safety and Andrew's the Founder and CEO. Gentlemen, thanks for your time today. Really interesting conversation and I hope we get to do this again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thanks, Andrew. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to view the agenda, to check for dates, and to apply to be our guest at HDTX 2021. There are lots more podcasts in our archive. Have a look and give them a listen. And if you like what you hear, please spread the word on social media and give us a review and a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.